We can be found on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Like, share, subscribe, and leave us a comment down below. Now, on with the show. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Fucking thing. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Right. Fuck it. Death Holler is a horror cast created by two true horror fans to bring to the table your favorite horror films. Topics include, but are not limited to, historical horror, gore, the occult, and terror. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everyone, to a special presentation of Death Holler, in which we stare down the eldritch terrors and descend into chaos. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me, as always, is my co-host and friend, La Urena. And if that introduction was a little too vague for you, on this episode, we will be breaking down and discussing the recently wrapped Netflix teen horror series, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Chaos. <laughs> chaos which sadly takes on a whole other meaning when we get to the actual show, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, sure does. First up, <laughs> first up uh, uh, Urena, how about you uh, kind of break down a little bit of what uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, the origin of the, of the character. Oh, gladly. I am so glad to be dabbling into this. First of all, when they announced that they were going to be having a darker series, even though they have quite a bit out of Sabrina, I was just really excited. Um, Sabrina basically first appeared in the comics, Archie's Madhouse. Uh, actually, um, it was, I, I, I keep wanting to say episode 22, but it's like edition 22 <laughs> or <laughs> just number 22. Yeah, it, yeah. Issue number 22. Issue. Yeah. Thank you. And that was back, back in 1962, uh, way before we were even itching our father's pants. So, uh, <laughs> Sabrina has been around for quite a while. Quite a while. Um, <laughs> and she just kind of was in, I don't know, she was a reoccurring guest in quite a bit other series of the Archie comics. Um, I think still she even has her own, which uh, she got her own spinoff in 1971. Yeah, it was uh, about, about a decade later. But yeah, she finally got her own after being, you know, like you said, a bit character in kind of the other stories. Now, I first was introduced to Sabrina. I must have been... 12 years old, 11, 12, maybe through the age of 15, where I was reading the Betty and Veronica comics. They had their own comic series. And every now and then there'd be like maybe a one to two page special of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I would read it and be like, who's this bitch? Not really like that. But, <laughs> you know, it was so short. You really just didn't get a whole lot. And I knew who she was, but... I don't know. I guess at the time I wasn't that intrigued at the moment. Um, and then I also read <laughs> they used to have these little small, like almost like Reader's Digest books. Um, oh, yeah. Small magazines. Yeah. Jughead. I used to read the Jughead ones. I don't remember her being in the in the Reader's Digest versions of it, but uh, definitely in the Betty and Veronica. So, yeah. I was way more familiar with the uh, actual Archie comics myself. I mean, those were the ones I remember whenever I was a kid growing up. I remember, I, technically, I was more into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, but they happened to share, you know, shelf space with the Archie comics. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, and that's how I kind of, you know, knew about them. I don't know if I knew a whole lot about Sabrina at the time. I just, you know, because Archie was the one that was primarily, you know, in your oh, face all the time. Oh, he was everywhere, anyway, yeah. So. I mean, every everywhere you turn. And it wasn't just Archie. They had all these different versions of the Archie comics. Um, and then, of course, you know, our parents loved them. I don't know if yours did. Mine did. They were pretty surprised that I got into it. <laughs> I well honestly I don't know if my parents even read comics but yeah it's uh it was just kind of interesting to see I mean whenever I found out how far they went back which I mean you know a lot of the you know Marvel comics and DC and all that went back as you know to that time period as well but it's just like Archie was a little bit different because it was more like down to earth it was more just I don't know like comedy but like you know with teen issues it was it, it was a, it was a different thing entirely oh yeah totally you know it's funny I read it before my teen years so I thought that that's kind of how teen years were gonna be um <laughs> it was not there was not as many there was adventures but nothing as fun or I don't know clean cut 
<laughs> as the Adventures and the Archie comics. Um, on the topic of comics, shockingly, Sabrina was originally going to be just a one-off character. She was not intended to be as big as she became. I tried. I listened to so many different like video casts of trying to find out how she became so big. I didn't read or find anything as to why. I don't know if people were just like, give us more Sabrina. Give us that teenage witch. I don't know. No idea. All I know is obviously she's blown up. Yeah, she she gained a lot of popularity for some reason that you're exactly right. I mean, from what I've seen, it, it was just she was going to be there in that one issue. It was kind of just like a joke. And then, you know, and then she apparently a lot of people connected to it or thought it was cool. And they, they that's why they kept bringing her back. But I don't know if maybe it had something to do at, at the time period this was going on. There was they had just kind of banned all of the, like the EC comics and, you know, Tales from the Crypt and all, and all of those. And, and I think there was kind of like a demand uh, whether it was known or not for like horror style comics. And even though she technically wasn't that, she was kind of in that mold. And I think that, you know, that might have played into it a little bit. She just had the guessing. magic. Yeah. She put a spell on everybody yeah. is what happened. So um, <laughs> yeah. who is Sabrina? Well, uh, if you don't know, what are you doing on this podcast? First of all, <laughs> second, she is basically a half witch, uh, half mortal, half witch. Uh, Mom is human, and depending on what you're reading or watching, will determine on what Mom is doing during the time frame. And Dad is a warlock or a witch or a male witch, also depending on what you're reading, watching, etc. She lives with her aunts, Hilda and Zelda, which I'm sure we'll get into detail about those two lovely ladies, uh, the Spellman aunties. She has a familiar, a familiar that I'm going to want to familiarize you with, uh, Salem Saberhagen. We'll talk a little bit more about him a little bit later, um, but every witch should have a familiar. Um, In a nutshell, in the comic books and in the, the TV series, she was basically supposed to keep her powers a secret um and she did she she didn't talk about it unlike in chaos which we'll get into that but uh she mostly uses them basically to help her friends and sometimes just like in real life even if you're not using magic some of the things you do to help people don't always go the way you want them to so a lot of it was her learning how to use her powers uh to be careful how you use your powers and what consequences are You know, if you don't think things through, I guess ultimately that's what you're supposed to get out of these. The friendlier versions, anyways, of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, Across all media, comics, etc., she basically discovers her powers at the age of 16. For the most part, she, you can tell she has a Halloween birthday. So, I mean, that's just... That's just basic, it's, like <laughs> it's it's it, that's a neat little I mean thing they added in there. I, I mean it 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 just fits the character and I mean what they're trying to go with, you know, neat little campy thing that they added in. Oh yeah, so I'm gonna briefly go through some of the media because um, I, I know we're gonna talk a lot about uh, some of the things. I know we're gonna stick primarily to chaos, but um, so obviously we talked about the comics. Um, there was an animated series in the 1970s um, titled. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I mean, it doesn't get any more basic than that. And you can pretty much rest assured if you watched any of them. I know I did on the Cartoon Network. I think that's what was playing the classics back in the day. I'm pretty sure it was the Cartoon Network. Um, It was basically what you would see in the comics. So nothing special there. Um, Then, of course, (laughs) do I even want to mention the Attack of the Bees movie or say it's Attack of the Bees? Because I can delete that out. But (laughs) our Attack (laughs) of the Bees movie, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, it was a 1996 film. I'm not even going to give any details on that. (laughs) Yeah, there will be enough detail about that here in in a few minutes. In just a few minutes, yes. Um, And then there was the series, which was, I believe, in 1996. I did not write it down. Yeah, that's, I believe, when it started. Yes, and uh, boy, did I love that series. That ran for seven seasons. Pretty good uh, for back in its day and pretty good for following a teenage girl. Seriously. <laughs> I don't yeah, think it even it, ended with her graduating from high school. I don't know that it did, but it was, I mean, it, it definitely, you know, was part of the culture because, I mean, you know, everybody at that time knew about it. I mean, yeah, it's one yeah. of those, 
it's, it's just one of those things that you, I mean, especially, you know, we'll get into it later, but I mean, if you grew up with Melissa Joan Hart, you know, as, you know, as Clarissa explains it all, yeah. and then, you know, what, and you, I mean, it was one of those shows, it's like, well, I got to check out and see what she's in now, and, you know, that's kind of, you know, I think what kind of helped build it up a little bit. Uh, holds up pretty good. Now, I will throw, go back to the series in just a moment, because Sabrina had an animated series, again, after it was based off of the Sabrina the Teenage Witch series from 1996. And the animated series also had Melissa Joan Hart in it, but she played the ants in the animated oh. series, I believe. Okay, that's that's interesting. Yes. I, I think I remember seeing that a little bit. I mean, it wasn't, you know, anything that I watched, but I remember, you know, the, the, the animation was dramatically better than the one in the 70s so <laughs> yeah now I will throw out there there is if you have Pluto TV which anybody can have that it's free there's apps for it there is a channel called after school cartoons where you can actually watch Sabrina the animated series and I only know this because my kids love that channel they have uh, tales from the crypt the animated series which is not near as scary obviously as the original <laughs> but I think it holds up pretty good the kids it keeps my kids interest and you know my kids they love they love pure horror, so it yeah. keeps their interest. It's got to be pretty good. And then um, my son, in particular, likes Sabrina, um, the Teenage Witch, the animated series. Um, and so they kind of watched me watch Chaos, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Obviously, I didn't let them watch it with me, but they saw me really into it. They found out it was Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Son got excited. And I said, hey, let me introduce you to this series, which is on Hulu. It's Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, the series. So they've actually been watching that. We're almost done with season one. And, you know, the comedy is still there. It holds up pretty well. That's good. I mean, it's one of those classic sitcoms. I mean, if I remember right, it's still got the laugh track and all that stuff, the kind of the holdover. You know, yes, sitcom. it does. And it, yeah. I mean, you know, we don't even hear the laugh track because we're the ones laughing with it. So it, it, that, that's good. Yeah. So we've been thoroughly enjoying that. Now, before we get to chaos, there's one more thing that I wanted to mention. And they if you look on the Wiki, Wikipedia page and you, you're reading about the history of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, they do mention Riverdale and I know they were going to have her on that but one of the creators or writers uh, I'm not 100 on that information right now pulled out of it at the last minute and said no we don't want to take away from the story now it's not said in there but what I'm thinking is that they did they pulled her out of Riverdale because I think they started getting into the talks if not already creating Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and I really do believe down into my deep black soul that if they had had her or a character portraying her on Riverdale, it really would have taken away from, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix or vice versa. So I'm kind yeah, of glad they didn't do that. Well, and I think at the time they also said that there wasn't room for her in the sense that it, it didn't fit uh, as far as the theme goes. Um and, and I'll discuss that a little bit later, right before we get into that. But it, it, it would have been kind of a, a different feel because Riverdale was specifically, at least when it started, was a uh, kind of a Twin Peaks knockoff type show. It was, you know, but in a good way. I actually liked the first season of it. It was, you know, kind of a murder mystery, you know, who killed Jason Blossom, that sort of thing. But it didn't, ha it had horror elements to it, but they just dabbled in them. There wasn't any outright, you know, supernatural anything. It was kind of hinted at, but not really you know, overtly there. It was kind of in people's minds more than it was anything else. Yeah. Um, and so now that Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is over, technically, there is a lot of talk of, you know, maybe somebody else picking up the series and taking off. And I, I do see holes where they're available to do that and maybe, you know, continue versus just ending how it ended. And I know we'll get to that. But, I mean... I I see a lot of hints about possible a Riverdale crossover. Um, it worries me a little bit, but at the same time, the way things ended, I, at this point, will probably take a little bit more just to get more at this point. So yeah, we'll that's how to, I personally we'll feel. That. Yeah, on that. So I did say, I mentioned uh, multiple times to you, I'm pretty sure. You're probably sick and tired of me talking about Salem. I'm never going to stop talking <laughs> about my love for Salem. 
Everybody deserves a familiar. You, you really do. Um, do you want me to get into the familiars now? Or I, I, I don't see any better opening to talk about Salem because we're going to get into the, the Attack of the yeah, Bees. We're, yeah, we're going to get into Attack of the Bees and, and a little bit of discussion about the comic series that actually led into Chaos. So, yeah, go ahead and discuss uh, a little bit about Salem before we get into all of that. All right, so we'll keep this short um, because I, you know, my love, it, it shows so hard. I love Salem. I loved talking Salem. Uh, I even loved the cute, uh, well, not cute, but, you know, the sinister, quiet, chaos saber. Um, <laughs> the familiar black cat. I just love his name. Uh, thought it was the most brilliant thing. Even though I know Salem existed in the comics, I'm telling you, when I read the Betty and Veronica comics, I really didn't get a lot of details. I don't think Salem was present, even though he was in the older comics, had I actually read the Sabrina comics. Um, Salem, believe it or not, with his own Wikipedia page, uh, is an American short-haired domesticated cat. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's not domesticated. Um, he just has to be, technically, because he's serving basically a prison sentence. Yeah. And he lives with Sabrina. Now, n- not a lot of people mention that he's her familiar. I think that kind of comes to terms in chaos more than anything else. But ultimately, Salem was a witch, and he got in trouble uh, by the witches' council, and he was sentenced to 100 years as a cat, and that was for punishment for basically attempting world domination. I find that to be very hilarious because I think we all know good goddamn well <laughs> that any cat with given the opportunity would try to like rule the world. Oh, exactly. Would I try mean, try to eat their owners. I mean, <laughs> any, anybody with access to the internet should know that. I mean, there's a whole video out there called, you know, or well, I mean, I think it was actually something they made fun of on um, Robot Chicken. It was like a little thing they did where it was like cats are jerks and it's just like cats going around trying to kill people uh, inadvertently, like, you know, causing them to trip downstairs and all this other stuff. I, I totally see cats, you know, trying to take over the world. So I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. So Salem really didn't talk a whole lot, although I know in the original comics, allegedly, and it really depends on the story, he did have some limited powers, uh, incantations per se, Um, but in the show, he required, I know for anything to happen, he required basically Sabrina's magic finger to kind of put to use his power or to make what he wanted come to life, per se. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, and then... In the show, and kind of in the animated series, he basically serves as her babysitter. I don't know any better way to explain it. They're always saying, watch Sabrina, help Sabrina, do this, do that. Whereas in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, he is legitimately her familiar. He knows when she's in trouble, knows when she needs help. And he was described as basically being her, he, he's basically her conscience. So you can tell in certain scenes when he's there where she starts to question herself and she's saying, of course this is the right thing to do. Why wouldn't it be? You can tell he's emitting that feeling to her, like, are you sure you're making the right decision? And trying to make her kind of do it on her own, but at the same time give her the sense like, hey, give her some kind of direction. Kind of like her dark Jiminy Cricket or something to that effect. Exactly. So um, the only thing I have to say is, and in conclusion of my short Salem you know, discussion is that love how he talks in the animated series and in the series um, was very sad. He didn't talk, even if he had the voice of Lucifer in chaos, I would have loved it if he was a little evil motherfucker. It, it, we, he only spoke one time to her, probably through, you know, through her mind. It, it, <laughs> it, it would have still been so much better. I mean, the voice they used that one little time was just, it was it was such a tease. I mean, I really was oh, like, was. I, I cannot wait to hear. And then we just never did. Uh, so Yeah, so I loved it. I mean, I was like, oh my God, he's going to be such a little badass. And granted, he was. I just, I wanted him to talk a little. So anyways, moving forward, let's go on. There's a lot of people that whenever the chaos came out, you know, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, they were like, where the hell did this come from? What You know, all they had been exposed to uh, primarily was the Melissa Joan Hart TV show. And, you know, it was so kind of goofy and, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, the, the laughs and the comedy and everything. And this show comes out and it's so dark and it's got all these like satanic themes. And they're like, where the hell did this come from? But a lot of people don't realize it's actually a new series of... Uh, 
Archie horror comics that came out in like 2013 is, is what the basis of this was. Um, there's uh, several uh, uh, issue titles in this series uh, they've, that they've got now. They've got Jughead the Hunger, which is basically Jughead is like a werewolf. Uh, they got Vampironica, of course, you know, she, oh, she, she, she's, she, she's, all, I mean, it's literally like she's uh, dressed like a vampire or something like that. And she, you know, yeah, it's, it's, that's exactly what I thought when I saw that. Um, there's a little mini series they came out with called Blossom 666, which is the two Blossom twins trying to uh, outcompete each other to become the, the new, basically, Antichrist. And okay, Blossom twins. Hold on. I know there was a Cheryl Blossom. Was there another Blossom? Yeah, Jason. Uh and, oh, okay. Yeah. And so those are the newer ones in the series, but it actually began with a title called Afterlife with Archie, which is a play on the, the title Life with Archie, which was a long-standing comic in the Archie series. It was basically just Archie's life, and I think they even had like a a final book in that series where they actually killed Archie off, but uh, it, it was... Well, they, they kind of killed him off, but then they, they kind of gave him the another spin where he could have like lived with either Betty or Veronica, and it just kind of, it was one of those, but they, they came out with a title, Afterlife with Archie, which is basically uh, a zombie comic. It was in the style of Sam Raimi's, you know, Evil Dead series, you know, a lot of blood and guts and gore, and the primary character in that series that started the whole thing is Sabrina, because at the beginning of the comic... Jughead has his, you know, his his dog that he's loved for years, Hot Dog. Um, he, he gets his dog gets run over by um, uh, one of the other Reggie, one of the other characters in Archie comics, and Jug, Reggie, <laughs> such an asshole. But <laughs> he he gets run he gets run over, and like Jughead's just distraught, and he knows that Sabrina has magical powers, so he takes hot dog to Sabrina and she gets the Necronomicon out. She reads from, you know, a, a little bit of a necromancy spell brings hot dog back, but just kind of like in pet cemetery, he doesn't come back the right way. And whenever he starts attacking people, he spreads the zombie virus or plague to them. And, oh, and, shit. and so the whole series is basically like you're watching all these, you know, uh, Archie comic characters basically getting killed off left and right. Um, and you know, having to fight like back zombie hordes and all that stuff. So it, that's what it where they they brought her into it in that, and in in the sixth uh, issue of the series they centered out the whole they centered the whole issue around Sabrina and they got such positive feedback from having her in that that they decided they would spin her out into her own series. So in twenty, 20- I think they did a good job. That was a good choice. Yeah, and they, they and they wanted something completely different. It was in it was a, it was in two thousand fourteen. Uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, I guess that's how you say his name. You maybe have, you know, a better, you know, interpretation of that than I would, but, um, he was the writer for it. He was also the one that I think came up with Afterlife with Archie and he teamed up with Robert Hack as the artist to come up with a series that was basically, they, they titled the series Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is actually based on a 1972 horror anthology series called Chilling Adventures and Sorcery as told by Sabrina. And yes, that is a huge long title. I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say Jesus with the names over here. I don't, Man. They they eventually dropped Sabrina out of that on the original series and just called it Chilling Adventures and Sorcery. But, I mean, it was a, uh, like a serious horror anthology that was basically told by Sabrina. It was like she was telling like these, you know, these t- scary stories, you know, to whoever the audience was that was, you know, at the time. And so they, they based the, the name on that, but they based the series on the fact that she was created in the 60s, uh, a movie that we're getting ready to discuss called Rosemary's Baby uh, came out at the same time, and along with some of the other movies uh, that they kind of based this on was The Omen, The Exorcist, uh, of course, Arthur Miller's The Crucible. They kind of got all this inspiration, and they wanted like just this satanic-type story set, and they just set it in the 60s to kind of commemorate uh, both Sabrina's creation during that time period and how it tied into Rosemary's Baby. Um, and the actual comic book itself has several Rosemary's Baby-type, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, inspirations in there there's allusions all over the place uh the way sabrina's mother is uh basically she's trying to escape with with sabrina she knows that there's all these dark things going on with edward her husband and his his sisters so she tries to get sabrina out of there and ends up um, getting caught and i mean 
that's another thing about the series and the comics that's different than the, the actual Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the TV show. They went way dark in this comic. Like, Edward is right off the bat is a bastard. I mean, there, there's, oh, no, yeah. there's no ifs, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because what he does when he catches up to Sabrina's mom is he basically drives her insane with a spell and then he takes her to Dr. Uh, Saperstein, which is actually a character in Rosemary's Baby. That's one of the first things they tie into it but uh, directly. But he takes her there and has her basically lobotomized and uh, leaves her there, you know, just babbling and drooling and just kind of a mess and uh and then leaves with uh, to give the baby to his two sisters to kind of take care of um which they get into that a little bit later too i think he intended to raise sabrina himself but then that's another dark thing in the comics like the witches all gang up together they banish him to hell and uh and then that's whenever they give the sabrina over to the to the two sisters which is weird, banishing a witch or a warlock to hell because ultimately they are worshiping the Dark Lord, and you think that they're going to go there anyways. Yeah. I just find that to be very ironic. <laughs> well, the way they, they did it in the comic, it was kind of interesting. I don't know if he was completely in hell because the way they, they showed it, he was like, they he was this lone, like dead-looking tree that was out in the middle of a field uh, not far or into uh, that's outside the woods of where they lived at, and I think it was Westbridge was the name of the Massachusetts town that they that they came from originally. But uh, he he was basically his like his face his 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 agony his face was like this frozen bit of agony that was like imprinted in this tree. So I don't know if they turned him into the tree and that's where he was kept, or if his soul was in hell. They kind of don't really you know it, it's kind of fuzzy, yeah. but um, but. Anyways, the, the other thing that they did do that kind of ties into Rosemary's Baby a little bit later on is that uh, Madam Satan, uh, when she's brought into it, she she tries to get close to Sabrina because she, she the, the way that they do it in the comic, it's different than the TV show, and I think I might actually like the TV show, the Netflix show, better. Um, they, they had in the comics that she was actually like an ex-lover to Edward, and she was with him at the time that he made the decision he would get with Diana, or, you know, I think that was her name, but anyways, um, Sabrina's mortal, mortal mother. And um, when she heard that he was leaving her for a mortal, she went all ballistic. Uh, they were at a zoo at the time. She throws herself literally in the lion's den and gets ripped apart, like, by the lions, which I guess has, like, a, a biblical-type, you know, connotation to it. And, but she's, she's sent to Gehenna, which is supposed to be like the circle of hell, according to the comics that, uh, you know, if you're suicidal or if you commit suicide, that's where you're cast to. And she somehow makes her, or she's summoned back actually. And this is kind of interesting by two witches from Riverdale. And you can guess which two witches from Riverdale they might be. Um, oh, I wonder. <laughs> uh, two, uh, a brunette and a blonde that, that uh, are trying to uh, summon a succubus to kind of win a bet uh, to get the, so that they can get this redheaded guy. So you can kind of guess who those two people are. But anyways, <laughs> um, she's summoned back to Earth by them, and she's, she's basically just out for blood. She wants to kill anybody and everybody that's associated with her downfall, and she blames Edward. She blames Sabrina's mom which, you know, Sabrina's mom's so out of it anyways that there's really no benefit for her trying to go after her. So when she finds out that they had a child together, that's who she wants to ruin. That's kind of like... So in the comics, or she takes over... Uh, there's a, a the teacher who's like their drama teacher, Miss Gardenia, ends up uh, come, or sadly coming across Madam Satan. Madam Satan realizes that's the perfect way for her to get into Sabrina's life. She puts her into a coma, which is very similar to a character we're going to discuss in Rosemary's Baby. And basically, you know, she's she's in a coma until she basically passes away, and then uh, uh, Madam Satan takes over. Um, as far as the, uh, the rest of the things that are darker in the books, the ants are confirmed cannibals. The reason they specifically chose the house they did across from the cemetery is so they would have fresh meat. And they, oh my God. they constantly eat people. I mean, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. They, they, and, and the other thing is, all the witches in the show are shown to be just ghastly hags. Like, there is, like, they're, I mean, like sagging breasts, like bestial looking bodies whenever they're not, like, you know, made up to look like humans. Their faces are half rotted. I mean, they're, they're horrific. Um, Harvey's killed in the comics, I mean, and, and then, and, and then, of course, eaten by all the members of the coven so that there's no body for anybody to find. 
Uh, he's later resurrected by a spell that Madam Satan comes up with, and, and Edward hops his way back into the, the world through that and ends up trying to almost uh, molest and, and, you know, commit rape to his own daughter, which is a whole separate, you know, crazy thing that they do in the comics. Um, I do have to say... What the heaven? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 like I said, I, for people to be so freaked out about the show being as dark as it is, they, they really don't know anything about the, the source material. Um the other thing, the, the big thing about the comics that I thought was great was that the art by Robert Hack is amazing. It's like this soft pencil line work that they do. He does like, the only colors that are really in the, the stories uh, are like these browns and oranges. Gives like this October, like, you know, autumn vibe to it. Um, it's almost like a faded Polaroid, like a sun faded Polaroid, how it gets those like browns and oranges on it. It, he, it does a real good job of that. It gives it like that old feel. And, uh, of course, it being set into the, you know, 60s, it's got a, a lot of differences as far as, like, its references. I mean, you know, like, Sabrina's, like, reading Truman Capote's In Cold Blood in one scene. Uh, Anne Margaret, she's hanging out with her by a pool, and, you know, Anne Margaret's revealed to be, the actress is revealed to be a witch as well. Um, and then Harvey Kinkle is is made to, he's drawn to resemble Steve McQueen, which I thought was very interesting because he, he kind of goes back and forth in the comics. He's either the hunk or he's the nerd. Like, he's never in between. And like in this one, he's just like, you know, the all-American football player, you know, Steve McQueen looking guy. Yeah. But um, it's just, and it's just, a, 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 a there's a lot of differences too in, in some of the characters they did in the show because like Roz in the comics is just like this, redheaded basically she's she's just a horrible person like she's the antagonist to sabrina the whole time like in the show she's one of sabrina's best friends but rosalind in this is basically you know her cheryl blossom the, the one person that's always competing with her for harvey she's always trying giving her shit over everything um and 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 the tv show I, we'll get into it a little bit later but i feel like tv show was set more in like an 80s style setting too I, I got that vibe a lot i don't know if it was meant to be but that's the vibe i got from the show which tv series are you talking about the chaos or are you talking about chaos the teenage yeah. yeah okay yeah that makes sense i yeah and if i'm gonna say 80s i'm gonna say early 80s because it still even had almost like 70 vibes to it with some of the um costumes that they wore not costumes but their, you know some of their outfits that they yeah wore. Their, their outfits were dated like you said uh all their movies they watched were like 80s classics like every time sabrina wanted to go to the local uh movie theater it was it was some kind of 80s a big great 80s you know horror movie so I, yeah it, which is a classic to us but <laughs> they don't specify whether or not it's a classic you know yeah the, yeah the only thing that they the the 60s night of the living dead is the only one that they're that they kind of consider like an older film and i and and I don't even know. They really don't even treat it as like an old, old film. It's kind of like, you know, hey, here's one that we really love to watch all the time. Yeah, and but, by then it's like at least 15 years old, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that that was basically the, the comic that this is based upon. It, it Like I said, it was way darker. There's the, the themes in it uh, are way more mature than anything in the show. It's it, But it there is a basis for how dark the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina actually was. It wasn't just based on like some, you know, random thing they came up with out of nowhere. I mean, they, they had a comic to kind of base it off of. And, and, I, and I do like some of the changes they did. I like the fact that, you know, Madam Satan in the show is based upon Lilith. I think that little bit of lore is better than having her just be some like weird, you know, like this ex-lover to, you know, Sabrina's dad. That's kind of, I, I thought that was kind of, you know, lame that she was just an ex-lover and she had all that power on top of it. It was kind of weird, but. Yeah, she has way, it, it, may, it makes way more sense in chaos why she has her power, who she is and how she became who she is. I mean, and she has ultimately like three characters at least in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is, all ties into one person, but it's amazing how they work it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. But before we get into Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, you mentioned already, let, I think we should have an Attack of the Bees right about now. Yeah, I think we should uh, cue the music. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! I'm losing my eyes! So in 1996... There was a, uh, of all things, a Showtime film production of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Now, I didn't even know this thing existed. Uh, it was Urania. Urania was the one that informed me of this. It was apparently a pilot for the TV show that would come out later. 
and it was v- very much a Canadian film. There is only one actress that I can think of that I could find in any of the cast that was an American, and that was the primary actress, which is Melissa Joan Hart, uh, who plays a character called Sabrina Sawyer in this, which is a big change from the actual TV show and the character at large. Um, Sabrina's, uh, you know, well, or Sabrina's actress, Melissa Joan Hart's obviously known for Clarissa, Clarissa explains it all. Like I said, anybody who grew up in the eighties the and had Nickelodeon, I mean, they, they grew up with Clarissa. It was one of those shows that just everybody watched. Um, she's also been, and, uh, I remember in that, this movie in the ninety late nineties called drive me crazy. It was one of those teen, you know, comedy type movies, romance movies. And, uh, there were, were I, it's one of those weird ones where she's like, her and the guy that she's star-crossed lovers with are like one house over from each other and they finally get together at the end of the film. It's one of those. And, of course, she's now in like a bunch of Hallmark movies. Like, it seems like a lot of these people oh, yeah. <laughs> end up in Hallmark films later on in life. Uh, and her Melissa and Joey series. She always end up with Joey. Oh, God, what's his name? Joey Lawrence. something. Lawrence, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which he was off of... Uh, uh, Blossom, I believe, was the TV show he was off of originally. Yeah. But, um, the other, I mean, there's a lot of these other people that, I mean, that I, I'm not really familiar with, um, uh, primarily, I guess, because they were Canadian actors and actresses. Uh, Michelle uh, Bodwin uh, played Marnie in the in the movie, uh, which is Sabrina's best friend, and she's kind of a, you know, debts and, you know, kind of unpopular kid. They make her into a, a character called Jenny in the first season of the TV show because she actually did go to the TV show along with Melissa Joan Hart, at least for the first season. And she was like kind of the bright, smart character in that. So I don't know. I mean, they changed her name and her character type. Uh, for horror fans, she was, uh, at least in part, in the movie Ginger Snaps 2, which is a, you know, pretty good. Ginger Snaps 1 and 2 is a pretty good series of uh, werewolf films. Um hmm. Uh, Charlene Fernette played Aunt Hilda. Uh, in the TV show, she was played by Caroline Ray, and uh, they couldn't be any. Um, they couldn't be any different, really, because in this, like, it's it's actually Aunt Hilda who's the the one who's coming up with all the suggestions on how to you know, help Sabrina and all that. And I feel like in the TV show, and then also in in Chaos Later, it's more like Aunt Hilda's kind of like the fun aunt. And Zelda's yeah. the one that ends up being the one that, you know, was like, well, you got to do this. Here's what, you know, we got to take care of this problem. She's the one that's more of the mother, as it were. Um, Sherry Miller uh, played Aunt Zelda in this. Um, they don't, I mean, she was a, uh, she played in Stephen King's Kingdom Hospital. Uh, that was the one thing she might be known for to horror fans. Um, Beth Broderick is the one who played her in the TV show, and that's the one that everybody knows of now, especially when we get to one of the episodes in the fourth season of, of chaos. Uh, Tobias Meller, uh, played Harvey Kinkle. He was actually in several horror films. Uh, after this, he was in disturbing behavior, Wishmaster three, the Carrie remake that in 2002, uh, he went on to do a lot of, uh, horror films and uh, disturbing behavior is one that, you know, a lot of people know of the Katie Holmes movie. And then there's this random guy named Ryan Reynolds. I played Seth, he didn't go on doing anything. Never heard of him. Yeah, just just some goofy Canadian kid didn't do jack shit since this film. Um, the, I heard he was a total asshole, though. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a complete jerk. Nobody wanted to work with him. This movie is just goofy as as I'll get out. I mean, it really is. It's one of the. I mean, it's very nineties. I mean, it is nineties through and through. I mean, the, the outfits, the way they the the lingo that they use. I mean, I just felt like I was in a time capsule or in a time machine and just went back in time. I mean, it was, it is totally 90s all the way through. And it's just one of those, just you know, one of those teen romance movies. I mean, it's Sabrina's like coming into her own. It's one of those coming of age stories. She's trying to, she finds out that she's a witch and she's getting these powers that she's manifesting upon her 16th birthday and she's and she's attracted to Seth and but she's also likes Harvey so there's that little bit of a love triangle there that's in a lot of these movies and it's it's oh 90s love movies <laughs> it's 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 just one of those i mean it really is i mean it's you know you it's got all the you know the characters the jocks the you know the 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 geeky kids i mean it's got all the clicks in it um the weird thing is it's set in Riverdale. That's where the characters move to. They, they're not in Greendale like 
Sabrina, the the whole you know her whole history is set in Greendale. They're actually Riverdale High is where they go to in this, which they changed for the TV show later on. But I just thought that was interesting. And of course, Salem has a different voice actor than he did in the TV show that would come later. Um, oh, you answered a question. I was going to ask if he spoke. <laughs> yeah, he does speak throughout the movie quite a bit. Actually, uh, he's not as snarky as he is in the. And, and, you know, the actual TV show, he's not as condescending, I guess, but... Is he more sophisticated or... Yeah, and he, I don't know, he, he's got more of a... It, it's more of a feel-good movie, and he's more like, you know, the, the just like you said that, you know, kind of how you felt like he was, more like a protector of Sabrina and that sort of thing. He's got more of that mm-hmm. vibe going on. Now, I'm looking at a picture real quick, because uh, you said Salem, and, you know, my ears perked up. <laughs> He looks like a little fat lard in the photo. He's sitting on Sabrina's lap. Was he Was he a little chunky in the movie, or was he just a normal black cat? No, nah, he was a normal black cat. I didn't really notice anything different. But he was actual real cat. He wasn't the, the puppet cat that they end up getting for the TV show. Love the puppet cat. <laughs> um, that, that definitely has a charm to it. Um, and he has a weird history in this one. He was punished for kissing someone without their consent. Now, if Ooh. that's that's a weird reason to be turned into a cat for several hundred years but uh whatever yeah. you know i guess those witches and their morality issues they had well they imply that he was trying to make somebody fall in love with him i think he was trying to use his magic to make so i don't know if that kiss was gonna put some kind of spell on them but i know that's a major no-no in witchcraft so yeah they they have in the movie that, that like she when she discovers she's got powers she tries to make i think seth fall in love with her and and when she tries a spell, it doesn't work. And that's whenever Anne Hilda and Zelda tell her that the witches banned the use of love spells like so many years ago because it was an abuse of power. And I'm just like, you know, they can God do it. damn it, Salem. <laughs> they can do everything else. But, you know, that's, yeah. the, that's the one thing that they have. That's, that's the their... major no-no. Um, really, this movie is Melissa Joan Hart all the way. It's She's the draw of the movie. She's, she's you know, plays the innocent but likable main character. Uh, you can you know, tell why she went on to, you know, have so much success later on in the TV show. I mean, she, she's the real reason, the real draw for the movie. But I personally have to say, I fell asleep toward the end of this thing when I was watching it. And, <laughs> and it, <clears throat> there was a combination of reasons for that. But whenever they get to the prom, it does kind of get a little bit, I don't know, too teen comedy, you know, type things. I had to go back and rewatch. That's whenever I realized that Sabrina turns like her arch rival into a poodle. And then there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole scene where Seth like becomes the douchebag. Wait, wait, wait. You mean to tell me she turned her arch rival, which was probably being a bitch into a bitch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a whole scene where Seth turns into the big douchebag that you always assume. Like, there's, he, he's the jock in this movie. So you sit there and you think, but he's being so nice to her the whole movie. It's like, is this gonna be one of those weird ones where the jock's actually a nice guy? No, no. He gets, no, he gets, he gets her out in the middle of nowhere. He tries to put the moves on her, leaves her to, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. She blows up his car with her magic, and then nice. Well, not to kill him, it kind of just blows the tires up or something. But anyways, yeah. and then of course Harvey shows up out of nowhere, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna come save you the white knight type thing and then they captain save a hoe yeah and then they go she uses her magic to transport them back to the prom and they have their dance together and everybody's happy and that's happy ending um (laughs) (laughs) i'm so glad i didn't watch this it it's it's one of those movies it's that's all it is um yeah i on the nicholas cage rating scale I'm giving this one half of Valley Girl. Now, I did have to go back and watch Valley Girl after I watched this because there was something that that I just that was nagging on me whenever I was watching this. And I went back and watched Valley Girl. They are almost the same movie, set like decades, like a decade apart. Like the the tropes are the same. They're the same kind of setup. You've got the it's Valley Girl is as '80s as you can get. Like the soundtrack is excellent. It's nothing but big hits from the time period. The characters are literally those Valley Girls. It's like you know that everybody makes fun of now. It's like that you know, and the the Valley Girl speech. Um, the the main character she's she's torn between this this you know douche of a jock character that she's been dating forever, and then she ends up meeting the punk that is Nicolas Cage, and she's attracted to him. So there's that love triangle. It's 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 very similar. I mean, but the I have to give it only half of this movie because <laughs> Valley Girl is a much better uh, made movie. The characters are, are 
better developed. The, like I said, the soundtrack's excellent to it. I don't really remember any of the, the songs from the, the Sabrina movie at all. I don't even, I mean, if there was any 90s music in there, it was the worst of the 90s. Um, and, I, and I really think that there was a lot better acting and the story had more heart in Valley Girl. But they have very similar themes, so it gets a half of this. Uh, but Ryan Reynolds, and this is an interesting con- uh, comparison between the two of them. Ryan Reynolds, who obviously, yes, has went on to do many, many things. He uh, and Nicolas Cage both play very subdued versions of themselves, the, the, the people they would later become. Like, neither one of them are out, very outgoing in either movie. Uh, Nicolas Cage has got the edge because he does, you get a little bit of the Nicolas Cage weirdo out of him. I mean, he does show a little yeah. bit of that. But Ryan Reynolds is basically just like background dressing. I mean, like he, if you didn't know that that was him, I mean, like it, I mean, once you see his face, I mean, it it triggers it. But like, he's just, I mean, there's just nothing to him in the Sabrina movie. Like there's none of his humor comes through that, that condescending humor that we love from him. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but anyways, it's like, I didn't (laughs) even know about this movie until I started doing some research on the history of Sabrina, the teenage, witch, not even the series. And I'm like, wait, what? And Ryan Reynolds was in it. They don't mention it. Okay. Obviously for a reason. Uh, it was funny because I, I put this on and my wife didn't know anything about it. And she was, <laughs> she, yeah, she was watching it with me and she was like, is that who I think that is? I was like, yeah, it's Ryan Reynolds. Um, <laughs> and we, and we both laughed to no end at his haircut. It is such a nineties haircut in that movie. Oh my God. Oh uh, yeah. He has the most 90. That's the one thing I saw. It's he has the most 90s got haircut like the ever. frosted tips. It's parted in the middle. I mean, it, it's, and, and, and I don't, it's terrible. But like I said, if I had to give it between the two of them, I mean, they definitely don't play the characters that we know of or the actors that we know now. Uh, I do have to give it to Nicolas Cage because there is a scene or two in that movie where he just chews through the scenes and it's like, that's Nicolas Cage that everybody loves right there. He's, he's breaking out. Um, but anyways, that, that was the movie. It obviously led into the TV show in the night in 96, went on to be very successful for seven years. And then we come to the new series, uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And this show, um, I believe it was, was it 2017 when this one came out? Oh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Yeah. I want to say 2017, but I could be wrong on that. I'm taking a look right now. But um, anyways, and and this series, our principal actors and actresses is uh, Kieran. 2018, sorry. 2018. October 2018. I was thinking 2018, but it feels like it's been longer, so. Well, it's had enough time to kind of build up a little bit more, you would think, but I guess they, they, they have put them out fairly frequently, and the seasons are pretty short. The The main actress that plays Sabrina Spellman slash Sabrina Morningstar, and we'll get into that, is Kiernan Shipka of Mad Men fame. That's primarily what she's known for prior to this, mo- this TV, or TV show, and I gotta say, I think she's a perfect pick for this Sabrina, at least, because she she can play and look the innocent part, but when she wants to, you know, turn on the devilish charm, if you want to say it that way, or the mischievous type look, she's got that in spades. Yeah, she has it. Um, and uh, and I and I got these kind of ranked in order of what I prefer as far as the actors and actresses. I'm leaving some of these out because it's a TV show ensemble cast. It's got a bunch of people. But definitely beside or behind Sabrina, Michelle Gomez, who plays Madame Satan, is the number one pick in this show. Like, she is excellent in everything that she does in this. I don't know of anybody who would argue against that. Um, no, definitely. Madame Satan, Lilith. Uh, uh, Madame S- Satan. Uh, Mrs. Wardwell. Like you said, she plays like three or four different characters, and she plays them all differently. Like Mrs. Wardwell's kind of like the mousy type character. Uh, you know, Madam Satan's like just out and about, like, you know, just, you know, super sexual, super confident. You know, Lilith is kind of an in-between character. I mean, she's got some of that, but she's also been battered and abused by Lucifer for so long. She's kind of got some of that, you know, vulnerability to her. Um, Oh, definitely. And she's primarily known for this, at least to me, for Doctor Who, because she did play the, the female version of the Master, Whenever I think it was Peter Capaldi came out with his his version of the Doctor, and she was she was the best thing about that. I mean, Peter Capaldi, Capaldi was fine, and I liked some of his interpretation of the grumpy old man type Doctor, but it was it was Michelle Gomez who really stole the show when she was in scenes with him. Now I want to say about Michelle Gomez, um, totally 
kind of off topic, but you know, you hear a name like Gomez and this little Latina over here's eyes are gonna or ears are gonna perk. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, is she Latina? Um, Michelle Gomez is actually, I think she's from Scotland. Yeah, she's, she's. Uh, I don't know if it's the accent she's using in Doctor Who, but it's definitely either like uh, Scottish or, you know, it's it's it's, it's her natural, uh, you know, um, I don't know, her her natural accent is, is more like a, a British type accent. Like when she's speaking on Sabrina, it's like totally a put on American accent, but she does it great. I mean, I don't see one problem with yeah. it. Yeah. And the name actually, it, it her father is, I believe, of Portuguese descent. So yeah, that makes some you know, sense. obviously. <laughs> but I was like Scottish. Are you serious? And <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's that's amazing. <laughs> so uh, moving on. <laughs> um, the next in order of people I really liked on this show was Chance Perdomo, uh, who plays Ambrose. I love this this oh, yes. character. I love the 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 actor the w- the way he chose to do that that part. I mean, he every scene that had Ambrose in it was a highlight to me. Oh, definitely. I honestly, the show even. I mean, yes, Sabrina, the main character, obviously, but the show was nothing without him. Uh, he he literally. I mean, if and we'll get to that later. But if it wasn't for him in season four, I I don't know that I could have stayed with it because it was Ambrose that saved the day most of the time. And not just in the story sense, but just in the sense of, you know, like his, when he showed up on screen, he elevated it. I mean, made it worth watching, you know, above whatever nonsense was going on to the side. Oh yeah. We have Miranda Otto who plays Aunt Zelda. And I didn't realize this till I was doing research for this. She was in the Lord of the Rings movies, part two and part three specifically, the two two towers and uh, the and Return of the King, and she played. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna lose nerd cred for this, but the 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 horse people, the ones that rode the horses or whatever that they met, and their their king uh, was uh, Wormtongue was like you know uh, basically corrupting their king. She uh, Emmeline, I think was her name. She played that character, and I did not realize it until I was reading this. I was like, oh yeah, she was in that. So she's actually been in some fairly big stuff. Um, other than that. Horror fans might, you know, know her. Uh, she was in a movie called I Frankenstein, which I've not personally seen, but I have seen the next movie she was in that was a horror movie, and that was Annabelle Creation, and that is a damn good movie. Oh my God, yes, my daughter's obsessed with that movie. My movie scares the living <laughs> shit out of me. But who was she in that movie? Because I, I didn't do the research. I saw that. I was like, holy shit, and then I forgot to look. I, honestly, I didn't. I, I don't think she was a main character in it. I think she might have been like a secondary character or something like that. I, I don't think she was a main character. She was. It was toward the end of the movie because I don't think because I, I what I remember that movie. She's not the the main like the the family that's in the farm. She's not one of them. So, I mean, I could be wrong about that, and I'll probably regret that when we go back to review that movie later, which I know we will. But uh, I saw that, and I'm like, that's cool that she was in that movie because I I think that movie's great. I'm going to actually, yeah, I'm going to bring up one more thing, and I don't know if you remember this movie. I loved it. It was with Michelle Pfeiffer. It was a movie called What Lies Beneath. Did you ever see that one? What Lies Beneath. It's like a human, almost psychological horror, a little bit of ghostliness in it. Was it Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, there was, who was the big... Uh, actor that was in that movie it was a big name actor why do i always draw a brain part (laughs) because he's indiana jones oh harrison ford okay harrison ford okay Okay. oh my god somebody slapped me yeah i I need to quit drinking before podcast yes he was the um one of them he was the main character yeah that was that's what i remember that movie actually i have to say i don't know that i've seen it all the way through i remember scenes because if i remember right there was like some kind of scene where she was in a bathtub or something and you know Mm -hmm. the ghostly stuff going on but i never really i don't know it, it never at the time that I was watching it, I never really, you know, I never really got into it. So it was one of those things. That's a good movie for a future podcast, especially maybe for the ghost season. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all I, up for it because, I mean, I'd like to go yeah. back and revisit it because it, it does have serious horror cred. So, I mean, there's nothing, you know, well, against it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Miranda Otto was in that movie. Um, she played a pretty, a pretty small role, but really an important role that kind of triggered everything that was happening around Michelle Pfeiffer's character. So I wanted to just add that as a, you know. That's pretty cool. Shout out. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Lucy Davis is our next uh, actress in this. Uh, Ann Hilda. And anybody who's anybody is going to know her from Shaun of the Dead. Uh, she's 
you know, put on some weight since the role in Shaun of the Dead, but she is one of the main characters in that movie. I mean, she's, you know, one of Liz's, you know, uh, best friends. She's throughout the whole movie. She ends up taking a leg from her uh, dead boyfriend towards the end of the movie and, like, beating a bunch of zombies with. I mean, it's 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 a big scene. So um, I, I, was, I was delighted when I saw that she was in this from the get-go because I was like, I know, you know, I know where she's from because um, I watch that movie all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, just the rest of the people that kind of rounds out some of the rest of the cast, and like I said, I'm not going into all of these. Uh, Tatey Gabrielle plays Prudence. I thought she did a pretty good job. I, I kind of liked the arc they did with her character. They took her from being, in the first few seasons, a pure antagonist and kind of just a horrible person to Sabrina to being like one of her best allies and one of the friends of the family. Yeah. Um, the biggest antagonist in the series, Richard C- Coyle, uh, who plays Father Blackwood, um, he was actually in uh, horror, for horror fans. He was in a B movie called Grabbers from 2012, which is kind of like a weird uh, monster type movie or whatever. So it's um, it's it's not well known, but I mean it, he he was in that. Uh, Jazz Sinclair plays Rosalind Walker, who's uh, Sabrina's uh, best friend, and uh, Ross Lynch plays Harvey Kinkle. And rounding out the the immediate cast is Lachlan Watson, uh, who who was originally Susie, now Theo Putman. I list that one last as we'll get into. I don't. It's not the actress's fault or actor's fault. Excuse me, actor's fault. Uh, She or he uh, did the best they could with. They. Yeah, they did the best they could with with what they were given, but. It ended up being, you know, I don't feel like that the show did them any favors as far as how they wrote the character, and 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 that we'll get into that in a second. But I, I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves of this this series. One more character that I want to mention. Okay. Salem, the talking cat. <laughs> that's it. I'll, I'll give you that. the 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 intro <laughs> the, the intro scene for Salem is is amazing. the the little bit of darkness with the like you said, there's like this weird tentacle thing they do to kind of hint that there might be more to him. That so. you know what? Just let's just throw Sailor Sailor Salem Saberhagen. Okay, just the cat in general. He he was a good character. Yeah, yeah. He deserves his he deserves his uh, shout out. <laughs> um. So getting into the show, some recaps of this season one. We, it's just it, it's a setup season. It's the world building. Um, I thought it was well done. Obviously, it got it got us into the show. I mean, it had to have something. Oh my god! Going on. It yeah, made me want to come back for more. Definitely. I mean, it, it there's it's a lot of one off episodes. There's really nothing in the first season that I would say. Well, there is an overall arc, but it's not as defined as some of the later seasons. I mean, the overall arc is Sabrina is supposed to be coming into her witchhood. She has to sign the book of of Satan. She kind of reneges on that. There's a whole issue with her and the, you know, the actual witches, and they put her on trial. And eventually, uh, Madam Satan does end up uh, coercing her or manipulating her into fulfilling her destiny by kind of tricking her into it. It's more like, uh, she, you know, she she basically does it to save the town, uh, not realizing that the whole reason she had to save the town was because Madam Satan resurrected the the uh, I believe it was the Greendale 13 which were you know yes a series or they were 13 witches who were both turned they were killed by the local townsfolk but the, the local coven actually turned them over to the townsfolk to kind of get them off their back so they've been betrayed by all sides so whenever they come back they, yeah and somewhat representative of the Salem witch trials or witch hunt yeah, if you will yeah and so, I mean, that was basically the arc of the series, but I feel like m- more and more of it was just like one-off stuff. It was like trying, it was establishing Sabrina and, you know, Harvey's relationship, uh, you know, kind of setting up Roz, um, setting up, you know, Susie slash Theo, um, kind of getting you into that. Ambrose is introduced, um, and he, and I don't like him as much in this first season because they don't, I mean, you, you see the hints of what he would later become, but they kind of play, I mean, when at first he's a little, I mean, they kind of keep him, you know, a little bit at hands or at arm's length or whatever and don't really, I mean, he's he's got all these issues that he's working on and he's kind of, but, uh, you know, but they're, they set, they sow the seeds in this season for what he'll, you know, the kind of character he becomes later. Um, but I mean, that's generally what the first season is, is, is just set up. I mean, other than, you know, her, her in the book and all that, but I don't really feel like it, it's not such a strong arc that I really felt like it dominated the first season in my mind enough to stand out. Yeah. I will say that what makes, what made it such a good thing to stick and, or help the series and whole stick 
would be the darkness of it. Um, it had some like decent, I don't know, sexuality to it without being overdone. Mm-hmm. Um, it had some good spooks to it. I mean, the the Greendale Thirteen was pretty good. The, I thought that was a really good storyline. The interpretation they had of, uh, I think, Lucifer at the time, the you know, like the horn or the and the hoof devil that comes out. I mean, that was really, really well done. Um, yeah. Uh, there was the the setting, uh, and this has been throughout the whole show, but it, it's established here. The the lighting, the the uh, actual props and the sets, they're amazing. Like it's it, they made it totally feel like a lived in, like like we said earlier, '80s type, you know, town. Uh, where it's perpetually October. I mean, basically, I mean, anytime I'm watching this, it's like you get that October feel from it. It's, it's. Oh yeah, it's like Halloween every day. Yeah, and that's basically what they they bill it as. It's like Greendale is you know Halloween every day. That's kind of the the gist that you're getting, and then they just do. I mean, between just you know the settings like the little uh, local comic book slash you know. Uh, 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 milkshake shop that you know one of the characters yeah, runs cafe or you know yeah. just diner there we go yeah the diner yeah all that stuff is just i mean they they've they've done it so well that it's got that that old that that vibe and that setting that it just establishes the show and of course sabrina's family's home i mean they, they really set that up well and having the creepy mortuary in the basement and i don't know they just i mean they did a really good job on everything around the cast to kind of get you in the mood and the atmosphere that you need for the show yeah, you know what I just thought about literally at this moment, just thought about something that kind of sets the timeline is that they have a wall phone. I just thought about that. Oh, that is true. I, I don't know if Every I, time they answer the phone, it's the wall phone. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever and saw And you don't even think about that. I don't think I ever saw a character in the show carry a cell phone. I mean, I could be wrong no. about that, but I don't think I ever saw that. I don't think I saw that. Um, one other thing I wanted to say about the set too, and this is a whole topic that could carry off on its own but the baphomet statue that caused all (laughs) kinds of fucking chaos or chaos uh yeah it caused all kinds of real world chaos and uh i guess we can get into that now and just to kind of discuss it i mean basically if you didn't know the uh, actual uh, satanic church took offense to the fact that they're that this because this is a copyrighted image they copyrighted baphomet like years ago apparently and when it was used in the TV show, I guess nobody knew that. And it's like the primary statue that's in the Witches Academy in the show. Like that when they when that first season's established, when they go in there, it's a big, you know, monument or, or statue of, of Baphomet. And whenever the, the Satanic Church saw that, they were like, they just, you know, cha-ching, dollar signs in their eyes. They're like, we got them now. Yeah. And so. they have to go out of their way in later seasons to kind of get rid of that, which I think... We'll get into that in a second, but I I think they did a good job with it. But I was kind of disappointed when they had to get rid of it. I thought it was it was really well done set part of the set. Um, oh yeah, definitely. The only other thing I want to say about the first season, and I love these little things they add in that are like bits of lore and everything, was that there was one episode where Sabrina was put on trial uh, for the fact that she did not complete the you know signing the book like she was supposed to and all that, and they get a mortal. Uh, lawyer to come in and kind of defend her and he, he went by the name of Daniel Webster and that we've not discussed this all the way but I really 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 want you to you know uh, discuss with me uh, the devil and Daniel Webster uh, later on it's oh a, my god <laughs> I was like why do I know what this is but I can't think of it yeah, um, it's 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 based on a book. It's an old mo- an older movie, but I actually think it's a fairly well done movie. Uh, it, it's you know Criterion Collection for God's sakes. And whenever I saw that he was in that, whenever they mentioned Daniel Webster, I just perked up. I'm like, oh man, that is such good you know lore that they got because he's he's literally and, and they put it in the show and, and you know and all that. He's literally the only person who's beat the devil, and you know outside that guy in Georgia who you know played the fiddle for a while so <laughs> i was about to say what about charlie daniels okay i know his name's daniel but we also had a charlie daniel so. well it wasn't him it was johnny if you remember and uh, he was the best that's I was ever been, okay so. fine johnny daniels <laughs> um whatever so anyways that just I, that little stuff i kind of geeked out over whenever they would like tie in little stories like that but uh, but if you think about it, Daniel Webster, he's literally a defender of the damned, which is fucking hilarious, you know, because Sabrina technically wasn't the damned at that moment, but she was on her well on her way. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was, uh, I mean, and she, she, well, she becomes it later on. I mean, you know, but yeah, she was well yeah, on her true. way at that point. 
Um, they did a kind of weird thing after this. They they went away for a bit, but there was such a demand that they decided to go ahead and release another episode kind of midway between this and the quote-unquote season. Oh, yeah, we were season. not happy with that short first season. <laughs> like, we wanted more. And so I'm, I'm labeling this one season 1.5. It's the the special episode uh, for the, the Christmas, you know, quote-unquote episode called A Midwinter's Tale. And um, there's there's some fun things in this one. I they did a really good job with it. I mean the the lore like they they bring in like we've mentioned previously on, on some of our you know our Krampus podcast. They light the Yule log to keep away evil spirits. Um, they get attacked by these. Uh, they actually get attacked by these uh, kind of mischievous ghosts called the Yule Lads, and they're like the. Uh, their mother's this creature called Grilla, which I, I looked up and is actually like an uh, Icelandic myth about this giantess, this female giant who eats mischievous children. So that's kind of a weird thing to bring into all this. And I didn't even know about. And well, which is funny. I'm going to blow your mind even more. <laughs> there is a per se, I think it was an article I read called Krampus and friends. <laughs> and granted she, she's not, you know, actually linked with Krampus, like she's never worked with him because it was called Krampus and Friends. It was basically should have called been called Santa and Friends. But the Grila has also or Grila has been described as also another helper to Santa of sorts. <laughs> so just to tie in more to stuff we've talked about in the past. Oh, that's great. I didn't know anything about that. Um, You're welcome. Um, but basically, the gist of the episode is they've got they, they've got these Yule lads they're trying to deal with. They're they're trying to convince Gryla, Gorilla, however you say it, to kind of take her boys and get the hell out. And she won't leave until they because she senses there she hears a crying baby, which ties into the previous season where uh, I think Zelda took one of Father Blackwood's. Uh, twins and kind of hid it away in their house but they they don't want to obviously give this child to this creature that's going to eat it so they trick her and give her uh, basically a, a glamoured teddy bear that kind of that makes her think that it's a, a a child and the funny thing is they need her help later on so even though they've tricked her they've got to call her back and that causes some issues and yeah and the other weird weird little side story they have in this episode is they got Susie she's still Susie at this point, uh, finds yeah. the mall Santa is trapping the souls of children in wax sculptures, and they've got to deal with that. I remember that. <laughs> so That was creepy. It's It was a really well done episode. They uh, Kind of the, some of the same things that we, we liked about the you know Krampus movie, you know, the, the way they lit it. It was mostly blue, I remember. Had that cold feeling. They it's, it's, one of, it's the only time in the series that they lose the October feeling, and they lose it specifically for this, and that's, that's really the only one I'm aware of. But it, it was just really well done. I, the lore is kind of neat, so I, that was a little bit of, you know, to tide you over until the second season. If you enjoyed this episode of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Chaos Part 1, please join us for Part 2. Death Holler is brought to you by Blue Collar BS with your host, Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share. We'll catch you next time. And don't forget to bring your death certificate.